Starting in five, four, three, two, one. Alright, welcome to the Sum Nova Podcast, episode 4, where we talk about game development, mental health, and whatever we fancy that week. I'm Bodo, the uh, public relations representative for Sum Nova, and with me I have Hammerdine, the studio director and genre writer. Hello. And a stardust, the sound lead. Hi, everyone. Uh, today we're going to be discussing uh, four forms of media in that uh, we feel either represent mental health very well, or doesn't represent mental health very well. Uh, we'll be distinguishing whether uh, it's meant to or not, as well as why we think it either doesn't represent it well, or does represent it well. Uh, so we're going to start off with uh, Doki Doki Literature Club. Everybody's yeah, favorite it's a, visual it's, it's a classic. <laughs> <laughs> a divisive one, to be sure. Very divisive. <laughs> so, uh, this was one I wanted to talk about uh, because, uh, for just for full disclosure, uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, Doki Doki Literature Club. I love the artwork and I love the the way it presents the story. Uh, but that being said, I feel overall it doesn't represent uh, mental health very well in the game or amongst its corners of the internet. Uh, to begin with, um, it has triggering content for people who are sensitive to tr content like that, who have anxiety and depression. Uh, and on top of that, it really... I, I really did not like how uh, the main character was written in handling Sayori's depression. Uh, I feel Sayori's depression uh, really reached a lot of people, it seemed. Like, people could relate to how Sayori had felt. Uh, but the particular line of the main character saying, I feel very betrayed that you didn't tell me. I, I feel that's just not something you tell somebody who's going through a hard time. Um, you know, that, that, that's, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know why they're hiding things. Um, you know, sure. It could be a surprise, but it doesn't mean you put blame on them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I, I think when it, when it comes to um, talking about someone who's revealed that they have a mental health disorder, you definitely don't want to say that, you know, why did you hide this from me? Why did you betray me? Uh, obviously, that only serves to, you know, make the situation significantly worse. Um, so I definitely agree with you that it definitely wasn't the correct portrayal. Um, in terms of the overall meta-narrative of Doki Doki Liter Literature Club, Though it, it seems to make sense because this is supposed to be kind of like a, at least its original intention was it was supposed to be a very cheesy romance game. Um, but with, uh, I'll say the villain, because I don't want to spoil it for those who haven't played this game. Um, the villain's intentions obviously change the very nature of the game narrative itself, uh, which does, you know, alter a couple things. But I do understand... Um, Doki Doki Literature Club, as as its nature of being a Renpy-based visual novel, there are a lot of um, there's there's a lot of modifications. Uh, I know there's a lot of mods, and I think uh, Bodo, I think you know a couple of those. Um, I know we talked about wanting to highlight one or two of those. Uh, do you want to go into one of them in detail? 
Sure. Uh, there was one that was called Doki Doki Exit Music, and uh, it, it uh, so for if you don't if you want to play this mod and you don't want spoilers, stop listening here. All right, you've had your chance. So it uh, it basically details uh, the main character and Natsuki dating, and they go through a lot of tragic things. And at the end, Natsuki ends up. Uh, uh, trigger warning to those who are sensitive to suicide topics, just as a heads up. Um, Natsuki ends up uh, committing suicide in her room, and the main character is overridden by guilt. So he ends up uh, throwing himself off a bridge, quite literally. Um, and the main thing, I, the main thing wrong I have with that is uh, his, his inner monologue. As, from what I understand, as he's jump after he jumps, it, he basically, he's basically saying, like, this is the right thing, like, we'll see each other soon, and in this day and age, romanticizing suicide, it doesn't, it, my personal opinion, it's unacceptable. Yeah, definitely. You know, you know, when you're talking about uh, serious topics like suicide, you shouldn't be portraying them uh, in a romantical sense. Um, and for me personally, I actually love the mod up until the ending. So for me personally, that made it like a 9 out of 10 mod to a 5 out of 10. It ruined it. I think me. in games like that, it's also an important issue to um, to discern between like uh, the player and the main character. Because we talked earlier about how the main character's command of I feel so betrayed is obviously in very... Um, in, in 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 a very in uh what's the word i'm gonna i'm gonna cut this out later <laughs> <clears throat> we talked about uh we, we talked earlier about how the main character's command of um i feel so betrayed is obviously not a good thing to say to someone who's going through depressive episodes and um, suicidal thoughts um but obviously especially in the vn genre you it is also possible that it's intentionally meant to be a bad thing to say because just because it's the main character doesn't mean that it's a good and healthy thing to say. I think the problem there is also that, from what I remember, it, admittedly it's been a while since I've played it, but the main character didn't seem very, like, fleshed out to me. It's, the main character seemed very much like this traditional blank slate for the player to project themselves into. I think that was the point. And yeah. So, um, and, and so that there, there was really not a whole lot of substance to this, to this in-game main. Yeah. Character. So the, the, the character kind of it, it, it kind of felt like that is the most natural and most sensible thing to say there because um, generally the whatever those VN protagonists do is basically broken down to the most general, most specific, most. Um, unexciting thing someone can do basically the average of all the averages so that's really a problematic thing if the most average thing you can do is accuse the person of not having told you and i think that's also where a bit of the problem there comes in because it's also all about making the problem about yourself you know it's not about how can i help you it's not about how why are you feeling bad in this situation it's more about um how can you do this to me? And it's all about the neurotypical, neurotypical person making themselves the center of the issue. 
Right. Yeah. I think that's a really critical point you, you uh, put on there, Astartes. And, and uh, I also want to clarify, um, like when I criticize the mod Doki Doki X music, it's not to say that that was the intention of the writer. I certainly don't want to come across as vilifying whoever made this mod. I just feel that the ending was just within poor taste, despite uh, the rest of it being, I felt, being very good. Um, I just want to. I just wanted to criticize that direction that uh, the creator of the mod took, and I simply just don't agree with it. Yeah, no, that's perfectly fair. Uh, I think it's it, when someone makes a work uh, and puts it on the internet, you know, it means that they're going to receive criticism for it. Um, and I think your your point of you know you don't like the fact that the mod romanticizes a, two suicides, one after the other, Romeo and Juliet style. Um, really kind of detracts from the quality of the work. Um, I think a lot of people might agree with you in the fact that like, why, why, why end it that way? Is it because it's Doki Doki literature club and that sort of thing is the norm or is it because the writer decided that this is how the narrative that I want wants to mm. end. And is that okay? Um, I, I hear a lot of discourse on the internet um, where, you know, people can can be criticized for, you know, liking a villain, even though a villain did a horrible thing. Um, and I think this kind of ties into that, where it's like, you can, you can like a controversial work, um, but in ter you, you definitely need to understand, like, okay, yeah, it's very controversial. Uh, and you, 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 you need to really accept that. You can't just say that, oh, I liked this book because uh, for whatever reason, and not acknowledge the fact that it has recently incurred controversy yeah. online. Um, I think that's, that's a really, really critical point. You can certainly like Doki Doki Exit music, even with, you know, the, the ending. But I think you need to make sure that, you know, if you're introducing this to a player, if you're, you know, talking about it with friends, you bring up the fact that, hey, you know, there's a pretty you know terrible thing that happens here that i think detracts from the work or this work is not going to be for everyone like you shouldn't read this if you have if you like are you have suicidal ideation or whatever that's a that's a an obvious trigger that you need to tell people um and i think to be fair this is also true of the base game where I think the reason why it got so popular is because people would be like, "Hey, play this cute, uh, play this cute game called Doki Doki Literature Club. It's it's adorable. You got you'll love it." And not telling them about the fact that you know a major character commits suicide, and you, the player, get to see that in a very visible, visceral yeah. way. Um, that's that's you know pretty not cool, honestly. I admit I was surprised by it when I played it. But that was because I knew that, okay, there's something weird happening here with this game. However, I had not been told exactly what happens. I knew there was triggering content, so I was expecting that. That's like, okay, so this is this is leading up to something gross and something weird's gonna happen. And then seeing that right there, I was like, okay, wow, all right, they they went there. Cool. But for someone who, you know, might not, you know, have anticipated that or they are surprised. Uh, that could end very yeah. poorly. To be fair, though, the Doki Doki. Yeah. To be fair, though, Doki Doki literally. Oh, come on. Uh, 
Yeah, to be fair, DLC? DLC also had the, uh, the the trigger warning at the very beginning, at least when I played it. I don't know if that's been there. It if does, That's yes. always been there, or they only added that after things went south a little bit. Um, but that I, I think that trigger warning diffuses a lot of that criticism because, like, the creators thought of that first, and they um, put in that trigger warning to alleviate that that problem. And to be fair, you can't really always um, est estimate how shitty people in the community are going to behave. Um, I think when we're criticizing and talking about the work itself here, we got to give them credit for putting in that trigger warning. Yeah, I, I feel that uh, it, it, that that kind of behavior uh, does not fall on the on Dan Salvato. Um, I think that was a very good call for him to add that trigger warning in. Uh, because I feel if if the main focus was, I want to surprise people, that could have ended poorly. But at the very least, it's going to surprise people, but you know, okay, there's going to be something serious coming up. You just don't know what. Um, we actually know a couple people who have been tricked by this, and uh, it put them in a very bad uh, state of mind. So, yeah, that's just, uh, that's just a huge no-no. You know, if someone you know is triggered by stuff like this, don't intentionally set them off. That's, it, it's yeah. a dick move. I think another really big thing about DDLC, uh, about the portrayal, is also that by its very design, its um, portrayal of mental health was not meant to be realistic. Uh, DDLC never tried to make things realistic. Um because yeah, yeah, spoilers of the DLC. True. Because like the internal, um, uh, like I think the, there was like something like a depression value that was turned all the way up to make things uh, kind of yeah to to basically kind of flanderize the um, mental health issues that the characters had. And um, I think that plays also like into why some of the mods are so a little bit off. Because once you establish the baseline of, in this universe, mental health does not have to be portrayed realistically, and people kind of miss the point of the whole thing, then pretty much everything goes. So then we quickly end up with Romeo and Juliet uh, romanticizing suicide. And at least with uh, Romeo and Juliet, that was written in, what, the 1500s, 1600s? Yeah, that was way a, back. That was a really big thing back in the day. That was like one of the bigger tragedies it's still regarded as one of the greatest tragedies and of all even time. in romeo and juliet um, the whole the whole point was that they were kind of being stupid about it i mean th that's even the plot yeah. point in the original so like uh releasing something that romanticizes suicide in 2021 really there's no excuse for that <laughs> yeah so uh yeah that's those are our thoughts on ddlc um it doesn't portray mental health properly, but it's really not meant to, and I think that's something that should be understood. Uh, the criticism we had, I think, is valid, but we also understand that that's also not the point, but we wanted to discuss it anyway. Yeah, I think in, in terms of DDLC, it's more about the fan base and the you know, kind of resulting content thereof that has been produced by it. Um, I think this is definitely more of a fan base thing that we're criticizing as opposed to the game itself. I highly recommend trying out DDLC sometime if you really want to. Just obviously be aware of the trigger warnings. There, There is you know, pretty graphic content in there. 
Uh, it is not for the faint of heart or people that are that are you know triggered by that by by violence by suicide. It's very scary stuff. Um, but if that doesn't deter you, I highly recommend trying it. It is really it really fun. does have some good good plot points. It has good writing. Personally, I kind of feel like um, tapping into the uh, whole topic of mental health and then immediately cranking it up to 11 to not have to portray it realistically is kind of a bit of a lazy lazy cop-out out of the topic, but that's, that's just my personal opinion. I kind of feel like if you're going to tackle that topic, do it seriously. Um, but that's, that's, that's yeah. personal opinion. Um, we could discuss on that point alone for hours, so... It's, it's not a bad game. It just made some uh, design decisions that one can have different opinions about. Let's, let's leave it at that. That's fair. All right. That's, that's, very, that's very fair. Uh, so to a more positive uh, uh, portrayal of mental health, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the movie Rain Man. Uh, fun fact, I misheard that as Rayman, <laughs> as in Rayman... Raven Rabbits, so I was very confused when I first heard that. Um, Hamadon, you've watched this movie. Uh, you have a lot. You've had a lot of positive things to say about this. Uh, do you want to start this off? I do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, first of all, Rayman is a fantastic movie. You know, Tom Cruise, Dustin Hoffman—they are, you know, expert expert actors, and you can really see the effort they put into. You're really trying to make this work. Um, you know, the character of Raymon himself. Um, really just showing that you know he's you know, having him be you know having this mental health disorder it's not really specified um like what kind it is it they, they the doctors say that it's autism um it's not an i don't think it's an accurate one-to-one -one portrayal of it um it's this kind of nebulous uh disorder it's it's more akin to um like a pdd nos type diagnosis where it's like there's there is some kind of developmental disorder It's not sorry, PDD NOS. What does that stand for? For those I who aren't aware, I believe it's pervasive developmental disorder dash not otherwise specified. So it's something that could potentially fall under the umbrella of an autism spectrum disorder. However, there are other symptoms that are essentially kind of muddying the diagnosis. Um, it is, will to, to shortcut this, we can essentially say that this is probably autism and just leave it at that. I think um, in, in terms of how um, the portrayal was done in the movie, I think it was really interesting. Um, you know, Raymond's character of you know, sticking to very rigid routines. He always needed to watch his television shows. There's very specific things that he had to do or you know, he'd, have, he'd have a meltdown. It's very, that's very classic autism spectrum disorder right there. Um, and Tom Cruise's character, him trying to understand, oh, well, you know, what, what do I have to do to, to figure this out? To, you know, one, to understand, you know, can I get him out of this institution? Uh, you know, initially he does it for selfish reasons because he wants the $3 million dollars uh, that, uh, that Raymond has received. However, uh, over the course of the movie, he really learns that you know, this is, you know, one, he learns that this is, I, I, there's a spoiler here, obviously, that Rayman is uh, Charlie's older brother. Uh, that was institutionalized after an incident where Charlie nearly got scalded by very hot bathwater. Um, it was kind of a mistaken incident where it was assumed that Raymond potentially may have harmed Charlie, but that happened differently. So o over the course of the movie, you know, Charlie really empathizes with Raymond and actually does 
want to actually gain custody of him to take care of him and you know, you know be a family. Um, however, at a very critical point in the movie, it's determined that you know Raymond is unable to decide for himself what he wants to do. Uh, Raymond's unable to articulate that I want to be with my brother. He essentially just he his big thing is his fixation on his routine, um, kind of the very narrow things that he likes, and in at no point does he really you know verbally say I want to be with him. And I think that's a very important thing for, in terms of a legal standpoint, if someone is unable to determine that they want to do something, from something that important, I think it's a very realistic thing. And, you know, people do knock, you know, institutionalization a lot, but I feel in that particular case, you know, it's, it's really important that that happened. Um, it, it is kind of that bittersweet ending. Um, but I think it does offer a very realistic portrayal of, institutionalization and how families can be affected by that um it might not be you know what people want but it might be the best for the person who's institutionalized especially someone as you know affected as raymond is uh the plot kind of reminds me also a little bit uh, just a very tiny tangent i'm going on here um but there's a very um highly uh, acclaimed movie from germany head full of honey which describes um I have similar problems with um, the main characters uh, slowly um, getting sick with dementia and drifting away and not being able to properly decide anymore. So that kind of reminded me of that. If anyone can find that movie, I recommend it. And uh, one thing I wanted to point out uh, that I noticed from uh, your, your description, Habadine, is... Um, I remember we were talking about this uh, prior to the, to this recording, and the point I think we both agreed on a point. Correct me if I'm wrong. That um, I th you mentioned it also shows that you can bond with people who have mental disabilities. Just because they're different doesn't mean you can't still form a bond. That is very true. Um, it, it, this certainly is a very positive portrayal of you know two estranged family members coming back together. Um, I think that's a really, really critical point you put on, you, you pressed on there, Bodo. Um, the fact that it, it wasn't, again, it was initially started where it's like, I have a brother? What? Excuse me? I have a relative who I've never heard of? Um, and over the course of the movie, you know, Tom Cruise's character, you know, bonds with his estranged brother in a very unique and touching way. Uh, I think which really, you know, lends credence to why the movie is, you know, for me, it's a really good movie. Again, if, if you really do want, even if it's not even outside the context of you know mental health representation, Rayman itself is a very entertaining, very well put together movie. I'm definitely going to have to watch it sometime. It sounds really interesting. Yeah, so let's move on to our next topic here. Yes, so we're going to be talking about the uh, another negative uh portrayal of mental health this one is supposed to represent it uh but it to say it falls short is being a little kind to it uh we're gonna be talking about 13 reasons why uh don't worry we'll end on a positive note after uh, this but uh let's let's just rip this band-aid yeah. off uh none of us are a fan of it we do not like the portrayal for several reasons um start us do you want to start us off with this one uh yeah sure uh i'd love to 
Um, basically, for the ones who somehow have managed to avoid it, 13 Reasons Why is based on a book. And basically, the base premise is that the main character um, in the present already has committed suicide. And she sends 13 tapes um, to people who she thinks are to blame for her in the end killing herself and uh, each episode or each chapter in the original kind of deals with one person and it kind of unravels how uh, different things obviously also a few trigger warnings here for uh, readers who are sensitive to that um, like um, heavy bullying, there is sexual assault in there, there is physical abuse in there, and other things like that. Mm. And I can kind of see the intent of it. Like, I, I see what they were trying to do, like um, see how a very toxic environment, constant bullying, I mean, bullying in schools is a big problem nowadays, more than ever maybe. Uh, with the rise of cyberbullying added on top of that. Um, so I can kind of see the whole thing of we want to portray how it feels to be in that situation and how drastically that can destroy someone's mind. Um, that being said, I don't really think they pulled it off well. And a lot of the we want to um, raise awareness for that problem kind of ends up feeling like uh, we just want to exploit that problem because it makes for a good shock value. Yeah, I definitely agree on that point there. Um, uh, from what I've seen of like like I, of trailers, the uh, couple episodes that I've watched, it, it really does feel like it's just more romanticizing uh, the after effects of suicide. Uh, similar to what our discussion on Doki Doki Literature Club was earlier in this episode, it really feels, 13 Reasons Why feels like it's more um, taking that, that you know, quote-unquote exciting drama of, you know, what happens after someone commits suicide and does it in such a way that uh, leaves long-lasting impacts, the leaving of the 13 tapes uh, to the people that she feels affected her the most and, you know, caused her to kill herself. Um, you know, what does that mean uh, to someone who receives that tape? You know, how, how does that affect people? Um, and then, of course, promoting the idea that, you know, if you, if, you, if you take similar steps, if you, you know, leave notes or elaborate messages explaining why you kill yourself to the people that affected you the most, you know, how does that affect them? Um, honestly, the, the show really, really tries to, you know, make light of the fact that, you know, someone did kill themselves and no one... Uh, really did anything to prevent it. I mean, that's that, that's kind of the core of this. Um, but the way that this was, you know, advertised, I feel was very disingenuous to people suffering um, from what the main character did. You know, she's the vic being the victim of sexual assault, uh, having her guidance counselor kind of say that you, you did you invite them to do it, stuff like that, kind of implying that you know it was trying to imply that it was her fault as opposed to it being, you know, it's, you know, it's not her fault that she, you know, got assaulted. Like that's never the case. That's a terrible thing to say to somebody. Uh, that, that implication that, you know, that, yeah, a bad thing happened because you, 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 uh, you, pre you made this thing happen to you is, it's really bad. Um, 
the the after effects of the show itself being released um the the main controversy of course being that this was a very large what what i'm reading here and what i kind of read is what's called a suicide contagion uh the fact that now that there's a a a very big media uh sensation about a suicide is that causing people to potentially you know think more about suicide start going through the procedure to commit suicide, actually commit suicide. That's a pretty bad thing. It's um, not a new thing, though. The, uh, no, that, it's not. That, that effect has been known for a long time. In German, I don't know if it's also called that in English, but it's called the Werther effect after the suffering of young Werther from Goethe, um, which was released in Vienna. And I think after the book's release where the main character also takes his own life in the end i think uh, suicide rates in vienna i think they tripled or quadrupled for a couple of months so that's why it's called after that um but none of that is new that has been known for hundreds of years so oh absolutely yeah so so releasing something uh in this media age without taking that into account or maybe they took it into account but honestly didn't From, from the interviews that I've read with the producers, I, I think they didn't take it too seriously. I think they, they really underestimate how bad it would get. And, but yeah, there have been a measurable, huge spike of increased suicide attempts and suicides after the release of the show. And there even have been copycat suicides where people copied everything down Uh, down to the tapes being sent. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, there, there have been exact copies of the plot. Because, I mean, it's not that surprising because the plot, the, the entire... Um, the, the, the entire series has been described, and rightfully so, for, as far as I'm concerned, as some kind of a fantasy of someone who is suicidal. Because... Like the girl takes her own life and suddenly everyone who's ever wronged her is ridden by guilt and gets what's coming. Uh, I think at the uh, end of season three, pretty much everyone who really did really bad things to her is either dead or in, in prison for life. Um, the cute protagonist guy suddenly realizes his feelings and falls in love with her and moves heaven and earth to, uh, to, to uncover all the dramatic injustices that she had to suffer and um so she kind of lives on she's not really dead in a in a metaphysical way it even goes so far that up until through the final season she keeps appearing to the main character as some kind of a spirit or a ghost so so she, she she doesn't she she doesn't really die it's pretty much just okay just kill yourself you'll still be able to hang around but everyone who's ever wronged me is going to be is going to get what's coming to you and that's just one of the worst possible messages you could ever send to anyone like honestly this makes doki doki x music look uh pretty tame oh, in comparison yeah, to yeah and another layer on top of that is the whole thing that we haven't even touched on the whole other people are responsible for someone killing themselves the whole shifting blame to other people yeah like you drove me to do that there is so much to unpack there and oh yeah i I, yeah. i wouldn't even know where to start that is such a toxic mindset to have and it is absolutely unironically and straightforward pushed as the truth and the only possible perspective throughout the entirety of the series
Another two points about 13 reasons why I want to just touch briefly upon because I could ramble on this forever. Um, but um, there's two more uh, things that are objectively very problematic. And one of them is um, that the problem is that the, uh, the, the girl who commits suicide in the, in the series, Hannah Baker, is reaching out actively to people around her. And no one is actually trying to really help her. Like you mentioned earlier, the school, school counselor is being just absolutely useless and is actually giving what has been uh, described by, um, by other school counselors and um, um, uh, com not companies, by associations as uh, illegal and straightforward, untrue advice. Oof. And That's bad. Yeah, it, it's really bad because it also discourages people with um, suicidal thoughts to reach out and get help. Because, yeah, you won't get any help anyway. If you want everything to turn out fine, just kill yourself. That's pretty much the narrative. <laughs> that's just so horrible. Yeah, that's um, pretty bad. But then another thing, because we talked about DDLC earlier and uh, how the very um, graphic display of the suicide is also a very problematic thing in that uh, media. Um, actually, I found not many people know this, but 13 Reasons Why was edited after season, came to, uh, after season two came out, because in the original, the last episode actually shows Hannah Baker slitting her wrists in the bathtub in very, very graphic detail. Jesus Christ. That's and, right, I remember that. And they edited that out entirely after, you guessed it, people started copying it down to a T. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> and uh, how, 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 how did they not realize that was going to happen before they put... I, I, I just don't... I, I, I don't. <laughs> it's, 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 it's one thing, you know, I criticized the Doki Doki exit music for the ending being romanticized, but I, I can understand, you know, somebody putting that in and not understanding why it's unacceptable or just inappropriate. But this, it, it, it's it's like cranking it up to 11 everywhere they turn. It, you almost get the feeling like, did they try to be this bad? But... Uh, from, yeah. Uh, from The thing is, from what I heard, a lot of the people who worked on the, um, on the series, like, I, I don't... I haven't done too much research about the original book, but like the, the producer and actors and screenwriters, they kept mentioning how they have um, like personal experience with suicidal um, thoughts and, and depression and all that because of friends or close relatives who, is, who attempted suicide. And so I feel that a lot of the, um, a lot of the, viewpoint that is being pushed is really on the stress that it puts on other people in a way but it's not really it, it's not really considering the viewpoint of the of the depressed person itself if yeah that makes sense i think that's a really good point um i think too often i think too often people really focus on you know what who who is affected by a suicide but they don't really think about you know what let's talk about you know the, like the main person, the person who's actually committing suicide. Very, very rarely do we see that portrayed well. Um, I think I think that you hit the nail on the head right there, where it, it's too often it's like, oh, how does this affect so and so? It doesn't. How how do we 
how, how have we avoided talking about the main character, essentially, this, uh, this Hannah character who you know, takes her own life because of her circumstances? Why wasn't the book or the series just focusing on her? I think that would have been a better way to portray that narrative. Instead, we focus on other characters and that, that, that primary character just kind of goes to the side, which is, again, very disingenuous to people who are actually actively struggling. I'm not mad, just disappointed. Well, okay, I'm a little mad, but more disappointed. There we go. I'm very disappointed in Threats and Reasons Why. I feel like they took an opportunity to really kind of show, like, what, like, what happened, like, who's affected by suicide, you know, namely the person being who commits suicide, but also those around them. And it, it just feels like a cash grab for drama. Okay, I just uh, I just googled it because I was interested. And yes, indeed, the original book that the series is based on was inspired by an author's close relative attempting suicide. So here we go. Ah, okay. So it just keeps going. It just lots of inspiration, which is a little, oof, little, little sketchy sometimes. Uh, one thing I want to bring up is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, there are ten reasons why uh, it was produced by Netflix. Am I correct to say that? I yes. think so, yeah. uh, this isn't the first example that Netflix has produced something that really harms the perception of mental health. Uh, they have a documentary called Take Your Pills, and while I haven't watched it myself, I did watch a video from uh, uh, How to ADHD, great resource for ADHD, by the way, check them out on YouTube, um, with it, where they talk about how it's basically painting people who take ADHD medication as drug seekers and trying to get high. Which is already a problematic view, and oh, yeah, it's and, it's, and it, it is already a problem <laughs> that we're trying to deal with, and that really does not help. And especially since Netflix is so popular, it's going to reach so many people. Like you're just pushing this bad narrative that ADHD meds are bad, which if they're abused, yes, just like any other medication, ADHD is for is for those who have ADHD and need to take them to be able to handle their condition it's not for people to get high or to get ahead yeah i think it's a really good point uh it, it seems to be a very almost malicious narrative that um some of these documentaries can really drive and definitely you know people who do want to watch them you obviously take them with a grain of salt especially if you had experiences that are you know either the exact opposite of what the documentary is attempting to portray or if it's, you know, just completely not true whatsoever. Um, yeah, it's a big and deal. that one really hits a nerve with me because I have ADHD myself. I take medication to help function throughout the day. And just this idea that it, 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 it's hard not to take personally for myself. Uh, that's where my bias comes in. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, there's really nothing I can do. And people are going to believe what they believe. So, but don't believe, but please try not to believe it. Please don't. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's a very fair point that we could put in for anything that we've you know talked about in this episode already, where there there are good and bad narratives, and it's important to educate yourself as to why these narratives can be good or bad. So that that's not we're not saying that you can't watch these things or consume this content, but we do ask you to do your research and to really understand you know why people are talking about a, a certain piece of media in a certain way. And I think from understanding comes a better appreciation of the work itself. 
to be fair, I do agree that there is a problem with ADHD drug abuse um, that needs to be addressed, particularly people, there are people who have ADHD that will sell their meds, which, again, coming from somebody who I've been asked, hey, can I have some of your meds? I, I tell people, no, it's for me. It's not for anybody else. And I think it's important to address both sides of that issue because... Absolutely. It's, it is a problem. I just really don't like that they're portraying this as like that's the norm when in reality that that's not what always happens right but i could i could rave about that for quite a long yeah. time and we don't have all day so uh um, yeah all right so that was quite a downer uh one that needed to be pointed out for sure but uh let's talk about uh let's end this podcast on a positive note talking about uh, the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe, where there is a lot of positive portrayal of mental health. Really, a place where you would not expect to find positive <laughs> portrayal of mental health, but here we go. But it does kind of... Um, I, I will bring this up. You know, the comic books themselves actually do kind of go through some of the portrayals of mental health. I think, um, I think the most notable one is Tony Stark. Um, his, you know rampant alcoholism is very you know viscerally portrayed in comic book form uh for that to be sublimated into the mcu is done very very well i feel um with with tony stark as a character at least with mcu um the fact that he's portrayed by robert Downey jr someone who had very visible you know addiction issues and him coming out on top as one of the most popular if not the most popular mcu character uh, really shows kind of a personal testament to how much Robert Downey Jr., the actor, has turned his life around. Uh, and then seeing that character of Tony Stark go through such incredible character development um, throughout all the movies is also really interesting. Um, and I think the big thing we want to touch on um, is his struggles with PTSD, um, him surviving a convoy attack in Iron Man 1, his uh, surviving the attack on New York in the first Avengers movie, I think it's probably the biggest one that um, that really kind of triggers his major uh, PTSD. Um, I think that's probably the biggest one right there. Uh, really, really well done, honestly. It, he, you know, the fact that he explains on screen like how he feels, uh, why he's doing the things that he's doing, um, is really, really impressive. Like, it, that's that's really good writing, honestly, and I'm really impressed by it. Yeah, definitely. As someone who has PTSD and panic disorder, anxiety disorder myself, uh, especially that scene where he has that panic attack breakdown while he's, um, while he's talking to the young kid and the kid just keeps asking questions and he just keeps spiraling and crashing, I really felt that scene. Oh, yeah, I could see that. <clears throat> That was almost uncomfortably realistic, but uh, in a good way, in a good way. I think that's a really big thing you, you, you brought up, the realism of it. I think, I think for anyone who's you know, gone through that, you know, seeing that happen to a character they like on screen, it's, it's a good way to create empathy. It's a really good way to see that there's someone I like going through the same stuff I have, I think is a really... Um, really critical element. And I think that that's why people talk about this is that people who have those, who are going through those symptoms and, you know, suffering and seeing that, you know, someone else that I, you know, personally like, or someone I look up to 
is also suffering. I think is a really, really important thing in this day and age when we're bombarded with um, social media ads, um, and it can be hard to find content that you know is specifically you know like this is targeting me in a good way and not like this is a bad thing or I, I should be ashamed of myself for for feeling the way I feel or <coughs> was this right? <coughs> yes, yes. Sorry, off. I know, <laughs> but. I, I think the point of it being that that popular characters from our favorite comic books can be human and can also struggle with day-to-day -day life. And I think that you know that a superhero, someone who we look up to as someone who's instructable, infallible, you know, you know, perfect, can also go through uh, like a crisis that you know any human can go through it really adds a lot of believability to that character it makes them more multifaceted it makes them uh in essence less of a character and more of a human being yeah definitely uh what you said actually also brings up an important and very in interesting point to me because like with uh tony stark and his actor robert downey jr uh we have that um that you have someone portraying the issue that has actually gone through it, which is like the ex exact opposite of what we just talked about on 30 Reasons Why, where you right? have an issue represented by people who have experienced it secondhand and kind of imagine what it could be like if sort of situation. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and and, and this, this is a really big thing of maybe just let the people talk for themselves in a way. <laughs> I totally agree, yeah. Uh, to add on to that point, uh, I do like that Robert Downey Jr. was the one to be able to portray that. Uh, but I personally, I don't think it's nece it's necessary to have gone through it. But that being said, I think you should be, you should take the time to do the research to talk to different people, get different points of view in order for you to be able to portray it as accurately as you can. And yeah, going back to, to Rain Man earlier, um, that's exactly what Hoffman did. He went to visit people uh, that he was trying to portray, most notably Kim Peek, uh, who was a who, uh, he was a savant uh, that was very well known at the time. And he went to him, you know, studied him, talked to him, really tried to understand his various little idiosyncrasies. And you can see that portrayal a lot in the movie. In And like you said, like you don't need to, you know, find someone with a specific mental disorder to be accurate, accurately portray that on film. A good writer and a good director and a good actor can do all of those things. But it's very critical that you do the right research. You make sure you come to that understanding that okay, this is how we do this respectfully and tastefully. That's a very, very critical point. Yeah. Yeah. In the end, it can I quickly uh, just add on to that. Or do sure. you want to? Uh, I, I just wanted to say, like, uh, you know, for me personally, like, when I see, if it's done tastefully and accurately, there may be a mistake or two, but I find that's more forgivable because if someone takes, I mean, it's going to depend on what the situation, what the mistake was, but if it's clear that someone went out of their way to research it and, you know, did the best they could and it's very done very accurately tastefully like it makes stuff like that easier to swallow 
for me personally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think so. Um, it, it's also, um, yeah, well, you don't obviously don't have to have a certain disorder to be able to portray a character like that. But in the end, um, you, you just have to get someone with the experience of what it's like to live like that into the loop somehow. It doesn't have to be the actor. It doesn't have to be the producer or screenwriter. But it's like, like, like you said, you need to do your research. And at some point during that research, you ne need to get feedback from someone who actually knows what it's like. Um, because otherwise, you're go just going to be writing about something that you don't really understand. Because you can't understand mental illness from the outside, I think. Mm -hmm. Definitely. At least not if you don't get into the issue somehow by talking to someone who's lived through it. And I think that's also what makes this one scene, I keep thinking about it, uh, where, where Tony Stark has his uh, um, panic breakdown. Um, I really like how it's displayed, um, like also in the, in the production and, and everything. It's just so undramatic. Like many other screenwriters would have probably made it so that, that there's exciting music and his eyes keep flitting back and forth and there's like CGI explosions in the background to, to show off his PTSD and everything. And that scene is just literally a broken, panicking Tony Stark sitting there hyperventilating with an annoying little kid asking too many questions. <laughs> and it's just yeah, so it's, it, it's just so anticlimactic and that's what mm -hmm. makes it so real. It doesn't it, it doesn't try to pull all the CGI registers to let the neuronormative person at home in on the couch feel what it's like to have PTSD. No, you can't do that. You can't make that person feel what it's like to have PTSD. But you can show them how it looks from the outside and you can make them realize, okay, I don't understand it, but this person is a, having a really bad time right now. And maybe right. that kid should shut up for like two minutes and maybe ask how we can help, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah, I think that's, really, that's a really good point. And um, man, I just want to watch Iron Man 3 again now. I don't know. <laughs> this isn't a Disney Plus shill, but uh, I really do like Disney Plus. Uh, I do like that. I, I just... Having all those movies available is really nice. I I really need to go through and like watch some of these old some of these uh, some of these Iron Man movies again because now it's like dang I really want to watch, I want to watch Iron Man. Yeah, and um, I I feel like one thing that I, I wish you know, neurotypical people would understand is it, it's okay to admit that you don't know what it's like because unless you go through something like that, how can you? That's okay. What's not okay is pretending that you know and then shaming people based on being ill-informed and pretending that have you tr have you tried going outside and having to drink more water oh gee why didn't i think about that that's it i'm cured i love water uh wasn't th wasn't there also a scene with thor that uh he was yeah I mean, yeah, uh, just as a side note, Thor definitely suffered from severe depression and uh, dysfunctional disorder after the whole uh, endgame thing. Also, by the way, heavy uh, spoilers for all kind of Marvel movies, obviously, but I think that it's a little late for that now. But anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, like, like the way where they look him up and he's just gotten overweight and just sits around and can't do nothing at all. And that's just... I also felt that. <laughs> I also felt that because when you have a really bad depressive episode, then really just existing is all you can do. 
And um, that one scene in uh, in Endgame when he went back in time and um, saw his mother and he said, I just want to do something. And he calls upon Mjolnir and he just smiles and he just uh, did this, um, I'm still worthy. I, I, I literally had tears in my eyes. That was a big that moment. That, that was a big scene. Just because you're depressed doesn't mean you're not worthy. It doesn't make you any less worthy to be mentally ill. That was, wow. I'm sure that was really cathartic for a lot of people. I, I think myself yeah. included. I think I recall like tearing up a little bit. It's like, wow, that's really good. Because I like Thor. He was a good. fun character. His portrayal is really fun in the MCU. Um, and seeing his, that him kind of, you know, over, I, I don't want to say overcoming it because obviously he'll probably still struggle. We might see that in other movies. But the fact that there's this, this, big moment for him where he sees that oh my god like this is actually this is okay i i can still be thor yeah. i can still use this hammer and and just do what i want um i think that's 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 certainly a cathartic moment not only for thor but for anyone who's watching that which i think is super super important I, I, for me it's actually one of the most important scenes in the entirety of the mcu just oh, because sure. it hits yeah. so close to home to yeah, what I'm going through myself a lot of the times. Um, and I mean, um, the MCU also, also otherwise has really uh, what I at times would call really groundbreaking, well portrayals of mental health. Uh, just to name a few, like we have the whole WandaVision thing, which is basically just centered around be, having PTSD and escaping reality because you can't deal with survivor's guilt. That was or, good, yeah. Or when you have Falcon and Winter Soldiers and Bucky Barnes is actually getting psychotherapy to get better because he's suffering from PTSD. And he says, yeah, I've got PTSD. I probably should go see a therapist for that. And he does, and it helps. Um, usually going to a therapist is one thing that in many movies is kind of portrayed like, yeah, he's talking to someone, but it won't work and eventually he'll snap, like the Joker movie pulled it. Um, oh, yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. I think that one was more that he just lost access to drugs and an actual therapist because the system was changing yeah. and... I have a feeling he, he couldn't get the support he needed. Sorry, uh, I have a feeling we're gonna have a part two to this because clearly there's a lot more media. We all feel. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, maybe we could certainly do a part two to this. Absolutely. But just, uh, but but think, just yeah, just yeah, just the, just seeing a strong male character um, searching out actively therapy and it being a good thing, I think that's also a very important message in today's pop culture. Oh, absolutely. Um, for anyone to receive mental health treatment should not be seen as a weakness. You go to the doctor when you're sick, you go to a therapist when you're not, you're not feeling well mentally, when you, when you feel like, you know, like, you, like if, you know, if you have depression, if you have ADHD, autism, PTSD, you know, anything that's affecting you, you should absolutely see a therapist. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with seeking help with seeking, you know, what you think is the right path for you. Um, it's very, very important that, you know, mental health is talked about positively and that the message you can receive help for your problems, you will be listened to, I think is a super important narrative to drive in the future, especially when, you know, mental health is going to be a constant battle, uh, even more so than, um, than, uh, than physical health, I think, uh, in the coming years. 
And I think it's, again, important to have those positive representations. I would argue it's still physical health because the brain is an organ, just That's like fair. just like your stomach, just like your leg. Just, well, okay, your leg's not an organ, but you get the point. It's a part of your body, a physical part of your body that malfunctions. The difference being is if your brain malfunctions, it's a chain reaction. It can make you depressed, which affects your mood, your appetite, your energy level. It, it can really – it's just a chain reaction. So I would argue it's – it's a part of your overall health. Sure. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so I, I think we're going to wrap that up today. Uh, I hope you folks enjoyed this episode. Uh, we certainly enjoyed talking about this. Um, take, make sure to take a look at our uh, website, uh, somnovastudios.org. Uh, check out mrsstars.net to download the game. Join our Discord. Check out our social media. All that jazz. And uh, wherever you're listening, uh, leave a comment uh, telling us what you thought and what you think we should talk about next. Uh, And we will catch you next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Bye.